want to thank I want to thank Chris for stepping in, pinch hitting for Kevin this morning, who suddenly uh, found himself ill, and so uh, we want to pray for him. But a great appreciation to everyone who led our worship this morning, and Chris especially. Thank you for for stepping in and pinch hitting at at the last minute. Uh, you know, each Olympic year, a flame is lit near ancient Olympia in Greece that then makes its way country by country around the world until it finally arrives at the city that is hosting that year's Olympic Games. Uh, That flame is transported by a group of runners who carry a torch, and each one of those runners with a torch carries that flame a specified distance where he or she then transfers that flame to another runner with another torch who then in turn does the same until torch by torch and runner by runner that flame, that Olympic flame makes its way to the great stadium where the opening ceremonies of that year's Olympic Games will take place. And there, a final runner carries the flame into the stadium, lights the Olympic cauldron, signifying that the torch relay is over and that the long-awaited games can finally begin. Now the runners, and here's a picture of a couple of them, the runners who carry these torches are often called guardians of the flame. Guardians of the flame, their job is to carry that flame on their appointed route, make sure the flame burns properly, brightly, make sure it doesn't go out, and then pass that flame on to the next runner who will do the same. Now, church, in much the same way, you and I are guardians of of the flame, not the Olympic flame, of course, but the flame of faith. We are guardians of the flame of faith because it is our job, yours and mine, to run the divinely appointed route that is called our life, make sure that the flame of faith burns brightly, every step of the way, and then to faithfully, purposefully, and joyfully pass that flame on to those who will carry it for the next leg of the journey until at last one day the final runner enters the great stadium of heaven and the relay of faith comes to an end. Now, church, there's no story in all of Scripture that captures better the passing of the flame of faith from one runner to the next than the story of Elijah and Elisha. If you've been here with us over these past couple of months, we have been looking at the life and the times of God's Old Testament prophet Elijah and the power of a life that is lived in absolute, unconditional obedience to God. See, Elijah had an incredible influence on his day. 
God did incredible things through this man's life because he was committed to obedience. We saw him in the palace of King Ahab where he said, King, because of your wickedness and the wickedness of this nation, there will be neither dew nor rain in the land again except at my word. We saw him at the Kareth Ravine where in a time of unprecedented drought and famine, God sent ravens to feed Elijah. We saw him in Zarephath where he spoke and the widow's jar of flour never ran out and her jug of oil never ran dry. We saw him on Mount Carmel where he confronted the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven to prove that there was no other God but Jehovah God. There was never a prophet in all of Israel so great as Elijah. In fact, you might remember when Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, revealing his glory to his disciples, who appeared with Jesus? Moses, representing the law, and Elijah, representing the prophets. Elijah appeared with Christ. When Jesus asked his own disciples in Matthew chapter 16, guys, who do people think I really am? And one of the first responses was, Jesus, some people think you've got to be Elijah. Come back to life. You also might remember while on the cross, Jesus cried out in Aramaic to his heavenly father, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Many of the people thought he was calling out for Elijah to come and save him. No prophet was so revered. No individual had such an impact on the nation of Israel than Elijah. And God used him to bring great revival and restoration to the nation. He was the guardian of the flame for his generation. But like all leaders, Elijah's ministry came to an end. His influence on the nation came to an end. His role as a spiritual leader came to an end. But before it ended, Elijah passed that torch of faith on to a man by the name of Elisha. And as we're going to see this morning, Elisha is going to take that torch and he is going to carry it and become the next link in the chain as he takes up the role of guardian of the flame for his generation. So here's my question to you and to me this morning. Are you prepared to be an Elisha for your generation? Are you ready to take the torch and be a guardian of the flame for such a time as this? If you are, there are several things that must characterize your life and my life. And, and we began looking at these last Sunday. 
So just by quick review, let me go back to point number one that we looked at last week when we said, if I'm going to pass the faith along, if I'm going to be a guardian of the flame for my generation, there is a priority that must be fixed in my life. We saw that in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, when Elijah came up to Elisha, threw his cloak around Elisha, symbolizing the transfer of the prophetic ministry from one generation to another. And then we saw that Elisha, who had been a farmer. Let me just stop here and say, because to me, this is very important. Elisha was a farmer. He was not part of the religious elite of that day. He had not studied theology. He had not been to seminary. He was an ordinary guy. He was a farmer. He spent his days behind a team of oxen plowing fields. So please, please don't tell me that you can't do what Elisha did. He fixed his priority. We read that last week that he kissed mom and dad goodbye. He kissed the farm goodbye. He kissed his comfort and security goodbye. He slaughtered his oxen. He used his farming equipment as fuel to cook the meat, and he gave the meat to the people, and then he set out to follow Elijah. When it came to being a guardian of the flame for his generation, Elisha's priority had been fixed. Once he realized what God was calling him to do, nothing was more important than passing the faith along. And if I'm going to be an Elisha kind of person, if you're going to be an Elisha kind of person, this is the priority that must become fixed in our lives. That's the first thing. Here's the second this morning. If I'm going to pass this faith along, if I'm going to become a guardian of the flame of faith for my generation, there is not only a priority that must be fixed in my life, but there is a pathway that must be followed in my life. There's a pathway that must be followed in my life. Look with me here, if you would. 2 Kings chapter 2. Verses 1 through 7. Let's let's read this together. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know it, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. 
Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Now, I want you to follow this. Elisha has fixed his priority. He understands that he is a guardian of the flame for his generation. And he will not swerve from that. But now he is on a journey with Elijah. The thing we need to notice about this journey is it is not aimless wandering. It is not meaningless movement. This is a journey with a purpose because there is a divine process taking place here. There is a God-ordained pathway that Elisha had to follow, and it is the same pathway that you and I must follow if we're going to pass this faith along, if we're going to be guardians of the flame for this generation. So Elijah and Elisha are on this journey. It begins at Gilgal. It moves on to Bethel, then to Jericho, and finally to the Jordan River. Now, Each of these places had great significance for God's Old Testament people. They represented great movements in the history of the nation, great turning points, great times of of renewal and commitment to God and fresh encounters with God. I mean, we could spend weeks just talking about the significance of each of these four places, but we don't have time to do that this morning. I'm going to have to give you the quick and condensed version of this, but I want you to see as Elijah and Elisha went to each of these places, there was a process going on that would propel Elisha and shape Elisha for stepping into the role of guardian of the flame of faith for his generation. Also, I want you to notice this. At each place, Elijah says to Elisha, Elisha, why don't you stay here? You don't need to come with me. God is sending me to each of these places. And in every single instance, Elisha will say, there is no way, Elijah. I'm going with you. You can't stop me. I'm not going to miss out on any of this. Whatever God wants to do in my life, I want him to do it. I'm going with you. Don't try to stop me. (laughs) Now, the reality is Elijah wasn't really trying to stop Elisha. He just wanted to know how serious Elisha was about passing the faith along, how serious Elisha was about taking up that torch and becoming a guardian of the flame of faith for his generation. And he was serious about it. He said, I'm going. Don't even try to stop me. Here's my question to you. Are you that serious? Are you that serious about passing the faith along? Are you that serious about becoming a guardian of the flame? Are you that serious about getting on with what God has saved you and left you on this earth to do? If you are, my friend, then you must walk this pathway. Let's look at it. We begin at Gilgal. That story I've given you a scripture reference there. We don't have time to go back and read it all. But that story's found in Joshua, the fifth chapter. Now, the name Gilgal is interesting. It means circle or wheel. At Gilgal, there was a rolling away. 
In fact, verse 9 of Joshua chapter 5 says it was at Gilgal that God rolled away the reproach of Egypt from his people. God rolled away the reproach of Egypt from his people. Now, do you remember when Israel was in the desert, on their way to the promised land, they were always bringing up Egypt. You remember that? When Pharaoh was chasing them to try to kill them, they said, oh, if, if we had never left Egypt. When they got tired of eating manna, oh, if we could just get back to the good food of Egypt. When the journey became long and difficult and they got tired and discouraged, why in the world, they said, did we ever leave Egypt? And they kept looking back and they kept longing for Egypt. And it was that looking back and never being willing to move forward that kept that generation out of the promised land. Well, at Gilgal, all of that changed. The people finally got Egypt out of their system. They said, you know, we don't want what Egypt has to offer anymore. Our focus is not going to be looking back there anymore. We want to look forward. We want to get on with what God wants to do in our life. We're not, we're not consumed with, with that anymore. You see, at Gilgal, at Gilgal, you say, God has called me to something greater than all the things I used to think were so great and so important. At Gilgal, I say, I, I turn my back on all my wants and I turn my back on my security the things that everybody else says are, are so important, all this other stuff that's been holding me back from what God wants to do in my life, I'm going to finally let go of all that so I can move into the future that God has for me. So write this, fill in the blank by Gilgal. Write this down. Give up the past. Let go of the past. You see, if you want to be a guardian of the flame, you can no longer desire the old ways. You can no longer live by the old rules. You can no longer operate by the old values. My friend, there comes a time in your life if you want to be a guardian of the flame of fate for this generation that you have got to stop looking back and start moving forward into God's promised land for your life, that means you've got to give up the past. You've got to let go of the past, whether that's past sins, past attitudes, past values, past priorities. At Gilgal, you let go of the past and you begin to move into the future that God is calling you into. Second stop, Bethel. That story's found in Genesis chapter 32. Now, Bethel, you might remember, is where Jacob wrestled with God. If you know that story, 
you'll remember that at Bethel, Jacob and God got into a literal, physical wrestling match. But here's the deal. That literal physical wrestling match was only an outward visible manifestation of what had been going on in Jacob for all of his life. Jacob had been chosen by God. He'd been called by God. But all of his life, up to that point, he had been fighting against God. He'd been doing his own thing. He'd been going his own way. He'd been rebelling against God's purpose for his life. But at Bethel, Jacob finally stopped resisting. He finally stopped wrestling against God and God's will and God's ways for his life. Now, if you remember the story, it took a painful experience for Jacob to come to that point. But at Bethel, he finally stopped fighting against God and he started fighting for God. Bethel church, Bethel is where you stop wrestling with God about his plan and his purpose and his will for your life. At Bethel, you stop trying to have it your way and you start doing things God's way. So would you write this in the blank by Bethel? Give up the fight. Give up the fight. Stop running away from God and start running with God. Give up the fight. Third place, Jericho, Joshua chapter 6. Now, you remember what happened to Jericho, right? At Jericho, the walls came crumbling down. At Jericho, a fortified city fell because God's people finally took on the challenge he had given them to move into the promised land. You remember that that previous generation had faltered. That previous generation had been afraid. They'd come to Kadesh Barnea on the very edge of the promised land and they said, hey, we can't go in there. There are giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't go in. They'll overpower us. They'll kill us. We can't do this. We're afraid. But at Jericho, a new generation said, we'll fight any battle. We'll take on any challenge. We'll confront any enemy. We won't let anything hold us back. We'll pay any price because we want what God has for us. You see, at Jericho, you decide that you're not going to let yourself. You're not going to let your circumstances. You're not going to let other people. You're not going to let the pressure of the culture. You're not going to let Satan scare you into saying you can't do what God has called you to do and what God has for you to experience. So write this by Jericho. Give up the fear. Give up the fear. At Jericho, you stop saying, I can't, and you start saying, with God's help, I can Final stop, the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 3, verses 7 through 17. Now, if you have your Bible with you, I really do want to read this text. We'll take time to do that. Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to, I'm going to begin reading with verse 7 here to save a little time. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. 
so that they may know that I was with Mo- that just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. And when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail deliver from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the Lord of the covenant of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the now watch this part, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come so far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now, here's a parenthesis here that's important. The Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. This was a time of flood. The Jordan River was not just a formidable obstacle uh, in and of itself. This was in flood season. It was a huge obstacle. Then the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground. And all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Now folks, that's what happened at the Jordan. At the Jordan, you say to God, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever it is you've called me to do, (laughs) but you got to show me the way. See, the Jordan is the place where you're willing to step out into what God is calling you to do, even when you cannot see how it's possibly going to work out because you believe that the God you serve is able to make a way where there is no way. At the Jordan, you say, God, I don't see how in the world I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know how I could ever possibly obey this command. I don't understand how this will ever work out. My friends won't understand. My family won't understand. I'm not even sure, God, that I understand. But I know you're speaking to me. This is what your word says for me to do. So I'm going to step out and do it. Even if it looks like I'm going in over my head, God, I'm going to trust you to see me through. So write this in the blank by the Jordan. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Make the commitment you're going to obey God no matter how impossible it looks, no matter how intimidating it seems, no matter how much you think you're going to get in over your head and be washed away. Step out in faith. Believe God will make a way where there is no way when you obey Him. Are you ready to go to the Jordan this morning? I hope you are. Because look at what happened when Elijah and Elisha 
went to the Jordan. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. Look at that verse. It says, Then Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Do you see that? Church, the drying up of the Jordan River wasn't just a one-time event that God was willing to do for his Old Testament people before they entered the promised land. This is what God is willing to do for every man, every woman, every young person who will totally sell out to him. He'll roll away every barrier. He'll remove every obstacle. He'll overcome every enemy. He will make a way where there is no way if you will say, God, I'm going to follow you. Wherever you lead, whatever the cost, whatever the risk, I will be a guardian of the flame for my generation. So this is the pathway you must follow if you're going to be used of God to pass the faith along. Number one, give up the past. Number two, give up the fight. Number three, give up the fear and then step out in faith and do what God is asking you to do. So number one, there's a priority that must be fixed in my life. Number two, there is a pathway that must be followed in my life. But finally, if I want to be a guardian of the flame of faith and be a real difference maker in my generation, here's the third thing. If I am going to pass this faith along, there is a passion that must be fueled in my life. There is a passion that must be fueled in my life. Look with me, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. When they had crossed the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Now folks, when Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. He was indicating his passion to see God work in his life in the way he had seen God work in Elijah's life. And in so doing, in asking for this, Elisha is raising really two important questions for you and for me. And the way we answer these questions, church, will determine what God is able to do in us and through us in this generation. Here's question number one. How deep is my desire for the person of God? How deep is my desire for the person of God? You see, when Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit, he was indicating a deep, deep desire 
for the person of God. He didn't want twice as much of God as he had seen in the average Israelite. He wanted twice as much of God as he had seen in Elijah. And let me tell you, folks, that's significant. Elijah was the guy who prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Elijah was the guy who called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel and defeated the prophets of Baal. This is the guy who performed the miracle for the widow at Zarephath and later raised her son back to life. And we just saw where Elijah took off his cloak, struck the waters of the Jordan River with it, Those waters divided, and Elijah and Elisha were able to cross over on dry land. This was the kind of walk that Elijah had with God. And most of us would say, wow, I wish I could experience just a little of that, right? Not Elisha. Elisha said, I want to experience twice as much of that. Can you imagine? This is bold, audacious. Even Elijah said, whoa, hold on a minute there, buddy. You're asking for a hard thing. But Elisha said, you know what, Elijah? As great as God's presence has been in your life, as incredible as the things have been that God has done in and through your life, I want his presence in my life to be twice as great. And I want his work through my life, to be twice as powerful. I want twice as much of God as what you've got, Elijah. I want a double portion of your spirit. One proof, church, one proof that God can use you in the future is that you're never satisfied with the past. You're never satisfied with your experience of God, no matter how great it's been. You're always wanting to see more. You're always wanting to experience more. You're always wanting to know more. You're always desiring something greater. If you want to be a guardian of the flame of faith in this generation, if you want to be an Elisha kind of person for such a time as this, my friend, you've got to say... (laughs) Lord, I want a double portion. I want as much and more of you as I can possibly get. How deep is your desire? How deep? How deep is your desire for the person of God? There's a second question raised here. And that is how strong is my dedication to the program of God. You see, when Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit, he wasn't just talking about his desire for the person of God. He was also talking about his dedication to the program of God. Now, now for you to understand this, you need to understand something of the Old Testament concept of the double Portion. If you want a scripture reference, you can write this down. Go look at it later. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17. But here's how it worked. In that Old Testament economy, if you had, let's just say, if you had, because this is easiest to work with for me, if you had four children, 
then you would divide your inheritance five ways. And you would give a double portion to the oldest son. And the reason for this was because the oldest son had the responsibility to care for his aging parents. And if his parents should die before the other children grew up, then it became the oldest son's responsibility to care for his younger siblings. So the reason why you were given a double portion was because you were given a double load. You had a greater responsibility, so you were given greater resources so that you could fulfill that responsibility that had been handed to you. That's important for you to know that because when Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit, he wasn't saying, Elijah, I want to be better than you. He was saying, Elijah... I want to be the one to carry on the work that you've started. I'll assume that burden. I'll accept that responsibility. I will commit myself, Elijah, to do whatever is necessary to fulfill the task that God is giving me. I am willing to be the oldest son. Church, I hope you realize this morning, we are the oldest sons. God has given us a double portion. He has given us Jesus Christ and the responsibility of taking him into the world and proclaiming his message and carrying out his program. And right now, church, this morning, what God wants to hear from you and me is this. God, I want that double portion. I accept that responsibility. God, I embrace that duty. I dedicate myself to that program. I will be a guardian of the flame for this generation. I am willing to be the oldest son. You willing to do that? What happens when you do? Well, look with me at these concluding verses. We'll wrap up this message. Verses 11 through 14. As the two, Elijah and Elisha, were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. And he asked, where now is the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and the left, and he crossed over. Hear his question in verse 14. Elijah's gone. Elisha does not ask, where now is Elijah? No, he asks, where now is the God of Elijah? Will what I saw in Elijah's life now be seen in my life? Will what I saw in Elijah's ministry be real in my ministry? So he goes back to the Jordan River. He takes Elijah's cloak, which had fallen there and has now become his cloak, and he takes it and he strikes the waters of the Jordan River just like Elijah had done, and he stood back and what happened? 
The waters of the Jordan divided again, just like they had for Elijah, and Elisha crosses over. Do you see this, church? Listen to me. God's purposes do not change. God's program does not change. God's power does not change. He's just looking for another man. He's just looking for another woman. He's just looking for another young person who will say, here I am, Lord. You can use me. You can send me. You can do your work through me. You can reveal yourself through my life. And so God takes Elisha and he basically now leads him. You can read the story, finish it up if you want to. He basically leads him to retrace the pathway that Elijah had led him on. From the Jordan River back to Jericho, back to Bethel, back to Gilgal, performing miracles all along the way because he is now God's new man in town and God is doing something new in a new generation and he is now doing it through Elisha. And by the way, if you compare the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, let me tell you something interesting you'll discover. You'll discover that while Elijah was involved in eight great miracles or eight great manifestations of God, Elisha was involved in, anybody want to guess how many? Sixteen. Sixteen. Elisha got just what he asked for. And see, here's the promise. If I ask for that double portion and I really want it, I mean if I really want it, if I want a deeper experience of the person of God, if I want to live out a deeper dedication to the program of God, if those things are my passion, God will give them to me every single time and he will give them to you. And you can be an Elisha for this generation. You can be a guardian of the flame of faith you can have an impact and you can make a difference and you can know that your life matters as God does his work through you. Let's pray. God, in our own generation, help us to know that you're still at work. And help us, Father, to be those who will take up the role of guardians of the flame of faith for our generation. Help us, Lord, to fix our priority. Help us to follow your pathway. And please, God, fuel our passion. we might have a deeper desire for your person and a deeper dedication to your program than we have ever had before for the sake of our own lives for the sake of this church for the sake of our community our nation and the nations who are desperately needing to see the difference that only Jesus Christ can make this is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus name would you join me in standing? We're going to just sing a couple of verses here. Take my life. Lead me, Lord. Make my life useful to thee. He'll do it. If you'll take up the task of being a guardian of the flame of faith for this generation. If you need to come, the altar's open. I'll pray with you. Let's sing. 
Let God work as he leads.